This is an ABC podcast. Fierce Girl Power. This is the story of the girl who painted masterpieces, Margaret Ollie, read by actor and producer Deborah Lee Furness. Margaret, hurry up, we're busting. Margaret Ollie was on the toilet. She'd been in there forever, but she wasn't busy with business. She was simply staring out the window. It was a loo with a view. Margaret, come on! The Ollie family bathroom looked out across a flower-filled garden, and Margaret sat mesmerised by the fluffy red bottle blush blooms and the blue butterflies fluttering by outside. It was difficult to get Margaret's attention when she was admiring beautiful things. She was different to most kids. She noticed more. Every colour, every ray of light, every shadow. I have greedy eyes, she'd say, capturing all the details and storing them in her head like photographs. Margaret, enough is enough. Margaret sighed and opened the door. She didn't like being told what to do. So when her parents sent her off to boarding school, it was no surprise that she didn't exactly get along with some of the teachers. The grumpy housemistress tried to impress the girls by carrying a parrot on her shoulder. Bonjour, parquet, she said. That means, hello, parrot, in French. And the parrot replied, bonjour. But Margaret didn't raise an eyebrow. She had a far quirkier pet at home. It was a cassowary. That's a two-metre-tall bird, sort of like an emu, but with a blue and red neck and a bony crest on the top of its head. And while Margaret's cassowary didn't speak French, it did do something else rather peculiar. It smoked cigarettes. Yuck! Some farmhands taught it how. It was totally irresponsible, yet kind of fitting for a pet that belonged to a rebel like Margaret. Margaret Ollie, pay attention, please. School assemblies were the worst. Margaret never listened. Her eyes always wandered to the prints on the wall. One was a picture of some ballet dancers. The other a white horse. She didn't realise it at the time, but they were painted by famous French artists. Margaret didn't really know that being an artist could be a job. But she did know that the only thing she liked about school was painting and drawing. She'd sketch everything around her. Flowers, ferns, figs. Excuse me, headmistress, I received a letter from my mother today. Margaret was lying. There was no letter. And the letter says that I'm allowed to drop French classes and replace them with extra art classes. The headmistress waved Margaret away, too busy to ask for the actual letter. Very well, she said, switch from French to art. It was more than a class switch. It was like a light switch being flicked on in Margaret's brain. Her art teacher was different to most adults. She got excited when she spoke. She had a sparkle in her eye. She travelled to exotic places. She's a free spirit, Margaret thought to herself. I want to be like that when I grow up. But when she did grow up, Margaret's mum had other ideas. She tried to make her become a nurse. Luckily for Margaret, the hospital rejected her. She was more interested in the paintings on the wall than the patients in the beds. Margaret's art teacher came to the rescue. Send her to art school, she told Margaret's mum. She's very talented. Studying art may seem like a perfectly normal thing to do these days, but back then it wasn't very common, especially for girls. 
And there were some people who thought artists were bad eggs. They were seen as rebellious and strange. But Margaret felt like the luckiest person on the planet at art school. She adored drawing and painting all day. And most of all, she loved her classmates. They weren't bad eggs. They were her best friends. And they may have been rebellious and strange, but Margaret thought that was a good thing. Margaret, can I paint your portrait? Margaret's mates posed for each other all the time. So she didn't hesitate when her friend Bill Dobell asked her to sit for him. On the way to his studio, she picked some paper daisies and stuck them in her hat. Margaret always picked flowers, and she always wore hats. She sat patiently while Bill sketched her outline. He added a fancy gown that he'd seen her wear to a party. Margaret barely gave it a second thought until... Dovell's portrait of Margaret Ollie wins the Archibald Prize. The Archibald Prize is the most famous art competition in Australia. It's for portraits that are supposed to be of successful people. Strangers were stopping Margaret on the street before she'd even heard the news. Are you Margaret Ollie? Can I have your autograph? I know you, you're famous. The attention was overwhelming for Margaret. She didn't like being recognised in that way. She wanted to be known as an artist, not a model. Well, the competition organisers asked her to stand in front of the portrait for a bunch of newspaper photographers. She did, but it made her cringe. She felt so embarrassed by all the fuss. And it got worse. Some critics said the portrait didn't deserve to win the Archibald Prize. Who is Margaret Ollie anyway? Doesn't even look like her. Why would anyone want to paint this fat lady? Margaret wilted like a pit flower. She wanted to shrivel up and hide. So that's what she did. She sailed to the other side of the world, away from greedy eyes. Paris is known as the city of love, but Margaret wasn't there to find a boyfriend. In fact, she never wanted to get married. She was a free spirit who refused to be tied down. But Margaret did pursue her true love in Paris, art. She visited all the grand galleries and soaked up the work she'd studied. Monet, Cezanne, Matisse's. She even got to see the real-life versions of the prints she used to stare at during school assemblies. Margaret was in awe. She wondered if she had enough talent. Everything was so big and beautiful and almost too much. Was it ridiculous to dream to think she could compete for wall space alongside such masterpieces? Well, Margaret turned a corner in the Louvre, the world's largest art museum, and there she saw it, the most celebrated painting in the world, the Mona Lisa. Lisa. Hmm, Margaret thought, hmm, it's actually a bit of a letdown. It was small, it was underwhelming, it was just what Margaret needed to bring back her confidence. Margaret Ollie would be known as a painter, not a model. Her work would be hung alongside masterpieces and she'd create masterpieces herself. I live in a basket. That's what Margaret would say when people asked her her address. What she meant was she split her time between the cities of Newcastle, Sydney and Brisbane, always carrying a cane basket full of brushes and paints and always, always painting. Margaret rose before dawn to paint the Newcastle and Sydney harbours in the soft morning light. She painted buildings, boats and bridges. She painted people, plants and panoramas. I have an obsession, she said, and my obsession is painting. And slowly, Margaret's paintings became an obsession for art lovers. Good golly, I must buy an ollie. an ollie in my trolley. It would be a folly not to own an ollie. It would be a folly. 
She was selling paintings left, right and centre. At one big exhibition in Brisbane, buyers were racing against each other to slap red dot soul stickers on the walls. Margaret sold 38 paintings that night for £3,000. It was a record for an Australian woman painter. Hmm, Margaret huffed. I'm a painter, not a woman painter. As the money flowed in, Margaret donated a lot of it back to the art world. She never bought expensive things for herself, but she bought hundreds of paintings to give to galleries. And she wrote some rather large cheques. Margaret, you've put an extra zero here, said the director of the New South Wales Art Gallery. Ah, so I have, she said. It's supposed to be $1 million, not $10 million. I'm sorry. Margaret also stopped living out of a basket quite so much. She bought an old hat factory in Sydney and she turned it into a home and a studio and she filled it with posies and half-squeezed tubes of paint. Most nights she'd host dinner parties amongst the clutter, but she'd never clean for her guests. You clean up after people, not before, she said, and you don't stack dirty dishes because then you only need to clean one side. But the truth was, Margaret didn't clean much at all. She had better things to do. If the house looks dirty, I just buy another bunch of flowers, she said. Who wants to spend their whole life cleaning? There in that old hat factory, Margaret began to concentrate on her immediate surroundings. A vase of lilies, a perfume bottle, a persimmon, a tablecloth. She focused on creating still-life paintings, compositions made up of simple objects, and proving that sometimes the greatest beauty of all is right under our noses. Margaret, can I paint your portrait? This time it was a young artist named Ben Quilty who asked for the privilege. No, Margaret said. Why would you want to paint me? I'm old. But Ben gently persisted until Margaret shrugged her shoulders and agreed. It was very different to the first painting. The hat was still there, but there were no flowers, no fancy dress. Margaret barely gave it a second thought until... Quilty's portrait of Margaret Ollie wins the Archibald Prize. Margaret Ollie's face had just won the Archibald Prize again. It was the only time a portrait of the same person had won twice. She wasn't embarrassed this time. She muscled through the applauding crowd, pushing her walking frame towards the portrait. She proudly posed for the cameras, smiling confidently and enjoying the fuss. She knew people didn't see her as a simple model anymore. Margaret was a painter, one of the world's best in everyone's greedy eyes. Margaret painted furiously in her final years, even when she struggled to walk, even when she struggled to talk. She painted and painted and painted some more. I'm like an old tree and setting forth flowers as fast as I can, while I still can, she said. She passed away peacefully at 88 years old after putting the final touches on her last exhibition. And although Margaret Ollie is gone, her free spirit lives on in the thousands of brilliant blooms she created. Every colour, every ray of light, every shadow, every masterpiece. What a great story about a wonderfully talented and fierce woman. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Deborah Lee Finesse. I'm an actor and a director. And would you believe I'm a bit of a part-time painter? I like painting portraits. You can hear more stories of fierce girls on the podcast like this one about world champion surfer Lane Beachley. You're a girl. You can't surf. You can't surf. Lane Beachley had a name for those meanies in the ocean. Dream thieves. And for some weird reason, as she paddled out to win her sixth world title, 
She let their voices into her head. Snap out of it, Lane said. You can do it. She focused, caught a wave. It curled around her like a cuddle. She was in the tube. But there was no light at the end, just water. Everyone thought Lane had been wiped out. Where was she? Then she got spat out with the spray. Ten, the judges roared. A perfect score and her sixth back-to-back world title. No surfer had ever achieved that before, man or woman. It was a dream come true and no thief could ever steal it. To hear more awesome episodes of the Fierce Girls podcast, go to the ABC Listen app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. The executive producer is Justine Kelly. It's produced by Rebecca Armstrong with a special thanks to Laura McAuliffe. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. (coughs) Kelly Redden is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios. 